0: For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. we'll We'll stop reading. we'll go we're going to go over to chapter ten here in just a few minutes, but I just want to take just a little bit of time here to, to talk about these few these three verses here in Romans chapter one. Now, I, I, I have a conviction, I, I really believe that it's important as a church that uh, seeing sinners get saved should be a priority. It should be something that uh, is like our core value. This is what we believe. We believe that the church is the, the vehicle whereby God has chosen uh, to get the gospel to the, to the lost. And see the lost come uh, to the Lord. That's why we have a missions emphasis. That's why we have outreach. That's why we do what we do to try to reach out to people uh, that are in need. Amen. I've got people on my mind that I'm praying for, even right now, that I have been for the last few weeks, that uh, I want to see them get saved. I believe they're going to get saved. I believe that they're not very far from the kingdom, and uh, praying and believing that they're going to come to the Lord. So we should be praying for salvations to be happening. We should work toward that. We should pray for that to happen and believe that God is going to do that. Where you need to, to uh, when we give. Uh, We need to give with the idea that it's going to advance the kingdom of God and that souls are going to be affected for the glory of God through our giving. Even in our worship, when we worship, we don't just come in here to worship just so that we feel good. We worship because whenever we worship God, the presence of God comes into this place. And if there are those in the service that are unsaved they will sense the presence of God and and they'll be drawn to that and convicted by that and be drawn to a place of repentance. Amen. So really everything that we do, our giving, our worship, our prayer, our preaching, everything should be focused on seeing people come to the Lord. So it should be a a preoccupation in our hearts that we want to see people come to the Lord. Some of you have heard of Jack Hiles, who's passed away a long time ago, was a long-time pastor in the Chicago area, Hammond, Indiana, and uh, was a soul-winning pastor. And he's got a lot of books uh, out and um, a lot of sermons that you can hear of Jack Hiles online. And he was, souls was his main thing. But uh, you may not have known this, but when he went to Hammond, Indiana, to that church, He was only 33 years old. He was just a kid. Let me tell you, if you're in your 30s, you're a kid to me. And uh, he was 33 years old when he started pastoring there. He said that when he went there, it was so formal that they would not allow any songs to be sung that they felt like would put an emotional pressure on people to respond So a lot of they had to be be careful about the songs they sung. The pastor wore a wore striped pants and long tails. And you talk about a formal church, dead and dried up, and nothing happening. And then this Texas young preacher comes in there and starts preaching souls, soul winning, reaching the lost, preaching the gospel. to to those people, and people started getting saved. And it went on for months and months and months. At the very beginning, when he first went there, souls were being saved week after week after week. But one Sunday, no one responded when he preached. No one came forward. No one got saved. He was so overwhelmed uh, with grief that no one got saved that morning that he told his wife and children, you all go on home. I'm staying at the church. He didn't. He didn't go for lunch, he just went straight to his study and he laid on the floor and he prayed all afternoon, begging God, Lord, what's happened? Why wasn't there somebody saved this morning? And he came back that night after spending the whole afternoon praying and crying out to God and seven souls came and got saved that night. Praise God. Now, that's like a preoccupation uh, with people getting saved. That's what needs to be happening in our lives. That's what needs to happen in our church, that if people are not saved in our altars, it should tear us up, it should worry us, it should grieve us. We should be a place where, where the lost can come and they can find salvation and find hope in these altars and get saved. That's my prayer, Lord, save the lost and that this place be a, a, a soul-saving station where people can come and can be born again. Amen. So it should consume our hearts and our minds. It should be something that is continually in our prayers that we're praying. Paul said, he said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians. The Greeks were the upper crust. The Greeks were the, uh, uh, the educated, the cultured, the civilized. They were the upper crust. The barbarians were the complete opposite. They were the pagans. They were the poor. They were, they were the outcast. And, and so what Paul was saying, that everybody needs to get saved, from the richest to the most educated, the most prominent, and all the way to those that are the outcast and the poor, and uh, everybody needs to get saved. That's what Paul is saying here. And he said, I'm a debtor to all of them. He said, God has poured out His grace and His goodness on me and save me. And I have been blessed with such riches in salvation that I owe all of these people, the Greeks, the barbarians, everyone, I owe the gospel to them. I owe them to be reaching for them. So everyone, salvation is for everybody. From, from one spectrum to the other, from the least to the greatest, uh, everybody needs to get saved and then he said so as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to those of you that are are at Rome also he's saying I'm ready you can almost uh, hear the eagerness in his heart there as he said I am ready I am ready to preach the gospel in Rome now that may sound like, well, you know, just another city that he was gonna to go to, but no, Rome was not a place that was accepting at all of the gospel. Rome was a place, uh, at that time, Nero was the emperor who was one of the most wicked and vile emperors that Rome ever had. He became the emperor when he was 16 years old. And he was like a spoiled brat and that uh, they wanted everything to go his way and he despised the Christians. He despised all of those that were believers. And so uh, you've probably heard that Rome burned during his time as emperor. And one of the sayings is that, Rome, that uh, Nero was fiddling while Rome burned. He, he could, or he could care less that the city was burning. Some say that he, he was responsible for that Roman fire and... Um, Because he wanted to build a massive golden castle and he wanted to get other things out of his way. And so some say that he was responsible for starting all of those fires. He hated the Christians. He would wrap Christians, he would imprison them, wrap their bodies in animal skins and set them loose so that wild animals and wild dogs could attack them and then he would take their bodies and hang them up on poles and in his gardens and, and at nighttime the, their bodies would burn and those would be the lamps the lights that lit this was a wicked evil man but Paul said I'm ready <laughs> I am ready I am eager I am eager to go to Rome no matter what it cost me we know that that Nero was was the one that was responsible uh, for Paul's life being taken. But Paul, even though he knew he's probably going to lose his life, he said, I'm, I am ready, I am eager to go to Rome and to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. How much do you want to see? How, uh, how great do you want to see people saved? Are you willing to pay a price? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give of yourself? Are you willing to pour out of yourself, that people can be saved. Paul said, I am ready. So as as much as is in me, as much much strength, energy, and stamina that is in me, I am ready to go to Rome and preach the gospel in this kind of environment where it's gonna be rejected by many, but I want to get the gospel out. Praise God. I wanna see people get saved. Amen that he said, I'm not ashamed. Verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel before it it is the gospel that uh, packs a punch. It's the gospel that can get the job done. I mean, we can do a lot of things to try to convince people that they need God and they need to be in church and they need the things of God, but the reality is a lot of things that people are trying in this day and time, it doesn't work. Just the simplicity of the gospel packs the punch. Amen. It has the power, it has the power to bring change to the lives of people. Amen. I don't think we need light shows and dance teams and and spectacular productions necessarily none of those things. I actually saw a video of a church not that far from here uh, that uh, on on uh, on uh, Good Friday they had a service and and uh, as I watched the the song it was building and I mean it was it was really building it was like rocking building yeah. and as I was watching the song and then right and the song got to this. Real high point. Then uh, uh, something like confetti blew up and confetti flew all over the building and they all roared and, praise God, I guess, (laughs) over uh, the confetti. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. What about the gospel? What about the gospel? The gospel has the power. Amen. Not all of these gimmicks and these things that, that we sometimes... Uh, resort to when in reality what we need is just the simplicity of the gospel it is the power of God unto salvation the gospel message it can change people's lives and turn people's lives around I'm not ashamed of it he said not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth praise God thank God for the gospel now let's look at chapter 10 for just a few more minutes here tonight this is Romans chapter 10. Paul says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now this, this is the heart of the apostle Paul. You see that he carries a burden for people that are lost. He cares about the unsaved. We should care about the unsaved. You can go back to chapter 9, the first couple of verses there. You can see the same heart the same spirit. Now, if people die and are lost and are going to hell and you don't care uh, about what's happening to them, that something is wrong. Something is wrong if you're not moved with compassion at the lostness of people. He, in verse one of chapter nine, he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience, also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow In my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What he's saying is, I care about my brothers, the Jews that are lost. I care about them so much so. He said, I could even wish that myself was accursed if they could hear the gospel, if they could be saved. Now that was sacrifice. And that was the heart of the apostle Paul. Who said, it's my heart's desire and my prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. Does it bother you? Does it break your heart that there are people all around us that are lost desperately in need of Jesus? Desperately in need of a Savior? Does it bother you? Does it grieve you? Do you ever go into a public place, a place of business or a restaurant and they could look around at that crowd of people and wonder how many of them know the Lord? How many of them are saved? If Jesus was to come at that very moment, would there be any of them ready to meet the Lord? Do you ever think about that? Well, I believe as Christians and as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it should be our heart's desire Our desire is to see people come to the Lord and be saved. So you should carry a burden. Now, it's easy to carry a burden for your family. You love your family. If they're not saved, it just kind of comes natural. But there's a lot of people that are not your family, and they're out here all over our community, and they're lost. And messed, their lives are so messed up, they're so wrecked by sin, so wrecked by addictions and so many things uh, that Satan has got a grip on their heart and on their life. And do you care about them? Do you care about the, the lost that are in such bondage to sin? Well, that's what Paul is saying. I, My heart's desire and my prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. And then he says, I bear record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. What's he saying? They have a zeal toward God, but not according to knowledge. You see, the Jews, they they had their law, and then they decided they needed to do more. They, they, they felt like their works and their deeds was going to earn them salvation. And so they took uh, the Ten Commandments, and there were six hundred and thirteen uh, of the of the alphabet that spelled out the Ten Commandments. And so they took each one of those six hundred and thirteen letters and made another law, or they expanded on that. It was all a man made effort to try to earn their salvation. Let me tell you, you can't be good enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't do there's no way your 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 uh morality your goodness even your generosity and your compassion to people in need i know that uh, there's a lot of people that they they feel like that they they're doing some good and one of one of these days they think they're going to get into heaven on the basis of their good deeds oh no Oh, no, no no, one is going to heaven because of their goodness of their or their morality or their own self-righteousness. We're only going to get into heaven on the basis of what Jesus has done. On the basis of what he accomplished on the cross for us. And only as we put faith and trust in Jesus can we be saved and can we make it into that wonderful eternal home. Praise God. He said the Jews have a zeal for God, but but not according to knowledge. What knowledge did they need? They needed to know that Jesus Christ was the only way. They needed to know that they couldn't earn their salvation. They they couldn't offer enough sacrifices. They needed to know that Jesus was the better sacrifice and he was the one that made a way for them. And so their zeal was, was worthless. Their zeal for religious deeds and and for uh, compassionate things. And, and uh, it, it's good to give. And it's good to be compassionate toward people and, and their needs. I'm not saying that that is not a good thing. It is a good thing. But it will not earn you your salvation. And a lot of times that trips people up. One of the things that was a huge hindrance to my own dad getting saved. Until he just, just before he passed away. Is he was a, He was a good man. He was a good man. I mean, he worked hard. He paid his bills. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to his family. No one could say that he wasn't a good man because he was a good man. He had high morals. I never heard my dad curse. Not one time. All those, Even though he didn't go to church and didn't serve the Lord, he had a high level of morality in his life. And I'm thankful that he did. It influenced myself and my, my brothers. But that wasn't good enough. We don't go to heaven on the basis of our morality or our goodness. We go to heaven on the basis and we're saved because of what Christ has accomplished. And so we, the Jews needed the gospel, amen. They were trying to establish their own righteousness. You know what the Bible says about your righteousness? It's filthy. It's filthy rags. It is not valuable at all all of your, your own righteousness. It's, it's, God, God doesn't uh, see that. He only sees the righteousness of Jesus uh, in us and as it's imputed into our lives, we are righteous through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, they're ignorant, verse three, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That was the problem of the Jews. They were completely convinced that they could could obey all the laws, follow all the rituals, go through all the sacrifices, and that was going to be enough. But not when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus was the all, he was the all in all. And tonight, he is the only way for men to be saved. It's the only way. It's only through faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And that's what Paul is, is preaching to this Roman crowd to convince them concerning uh, uh, the, the the importance of the gospel message. Skip down to verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, or it's near you. It's all around you. It's everywhere. Even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach It's everywhere around us. Amen. The gospel is everywhere around us. In America, it's certainly everywhere around us, isn't it? It's on the radio. It's on TV. It's on the internet. It's on your phone. Uh, uh, There's churches on every corner in the United States of America. And uh, the word is nigh. It's close to you. As a matter of fact, you you can look at creation and the heavens declare the glory of God. It's always uh, the creation is preaching um, uh, Jesus and the gospel to a lost world. That's, that's the natural law that uh, convinces men that, that, they, that there is a God in heaven. But then there's the spiritual law that says that the gospel has to be preached. How can they be saved if they don't hear a preacher? They have to hear the gospel. Whether it's me or you, uh, they have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but salvation is a pretty wondrous and miraculous thing, isn't it? Amen. That God can take a wicked sinner, that their life is bound by sin and bound by uh, addictions and habits, and their life is wrecked by the things of, of sin, and then Jesus comes into their life, and everything changes. Praise God. Everything changes. That's the miracle of salvation, the cleansing and the washing and the blood of the Lamb. Oh, it it changes everything. It changes everything. And I love to see it happen when someone comes to the Lord and they have a, a genuine encounter with the Savior. Oh, what a wonderful thing that it is. But we're privileged. We are so privileged here in the United States of America. We are so privileged. The gospel is everywhere. You can hear it. If you want to know how to get saved, you can just Google it. <laughs> it's there. Uh, point by point by point. Here's how to get saved. And uh, it's, it's everywhere around us, son. America will not have an excuse if they go to hell. It will not have an excuse. But you and I, we have such a wonderful, wonderful privilege to know the Lord and to have the gospel readily available to us. It's been on my heart a lot as I've been reading a lot about two countries in our world, Iran and North Korea, both countries that are held under a a very strict, harsh regime that opposes Christianity. People are sacrificing to get the gospel into those places, and... uh, just, just, to, just to own a Bible in either one of those countries is illegal, you'll probably be sent to a death camp and uh, possibly lose your life just for owning a Bible. Folks, do you understand how blessed and privileged we are in the United States of America? Oh, we are, we are so uh, blessed. Just, just owning a Bible could, could cost you your life. And, and uh, that regime in North uh, Korea is so corrupt and so evil that they have convinced those people, the, that Kim dynasty, they, they have convinced that nation that they are deity, that they are gods. And they're afraid to do anything or even to think things. They've been told that Kim can read their thoughts. He knows what they're thinking. So they live under the bondage of this fear all the time. And uh, they can never know about the true and the living God, but yet there are those, and those that are sacrificing, sneaking Bibles in, smuggling them in, carrying the gospel in. Some are meeting privately in places and putting their lives at jeopardy to preach the gospel, and yet you and I could do it all the time and never have any pressure or any persecution. We have such a privilege to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And... Uh, I I say, let's take it on our heart. Let's pray for these nations of the world. I've been looking into, Lord, what, what can we do? What part can we play? How do we help these people, these millions of people in Iran? As a matter of fact, it is the fastest growing evangelical movement in the world right now in Iran. Even in the face of the persecution, and all that they're going through, it's the fastest growing move of God in our world right now, in the country of Iran. They can't have churches uh, for the most part, uh, so they meet in private places, in basements, in, in homes, and uh, always under threat of their life. But yet they're preaching the gospel, and the gospel is spreading. There, there were 40 years ago estimated to be something like 10,000, eight 000 to 10,000 believers in Iran. Today they estimate at least a million in the country of Iran now. The church is just growing, 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 and the gospel can't be stopped. It's going forth. Amen. We need to pray for those in Iran. Pray that God would raise up people with the courage and the anointing uh, to go forth into those nations of the world and to, to carry the gospel. Uh, to the dark and hopeless places like that. What a horrible thing that it is and how blessed and privileged that we are. It's this simple, Romans 10 and nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple, amen, amen. Don't add anything to that. It's just that simple, If you put your faith in Jesus, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, oh, I don't want to oversimplify that because I want people to know how serious it is to get saved. Let me tell you, there is power in the gospel. That's a simple message, but it's powerful. It can change people's lives. Hallelujah. One more verse, is. Verse number 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. A lot of people that need to be saved. And I believe in the Lord. I believe in the Lord to save Todd Stouffer and his wife. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I've been calling him and stand up with him every week, talking to him. They're so open. They're so receptive. And uh, I know he's had a heart attack and open heart surgery and collapsed lung, and he's gone through a lot of stuff in the last last few weeks. But God has so arranged this situation so that his heart would be open to the gospel. Amen. And I believe in not too many weeks, Todd Stouffer and his wife, going to walk in here. They're going to give their hearts to the Lord. God's going to turn their life around. Praise God. I wonder how many of you here tonight, you've got someone, at least one person, that's on your heart that you want to see come to the Lord really soon. Someone that's on your heart. And you'll just stand up right now. you got people on your heart. Would you stand up? Amen. People that you're concerned about. I know these could be your neighbors, your friends, your family. It doesn't matter who they are. Amen. It's the gospel that has the power to turn our life around. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give them the gospel. When God gives you the, the opportunity. like Paul prayed, we talked about Wednesday night. He prayed, Lord, give me a door of utterance. Give me an opportunity to speak. Give me an opportunity to talk to people. He might not have expected it to be the way it was, but the Lord gave to him opportunities to speak. He preached the gospel to those Roman soldiers until eventually all of Caesar's house was affected. Everybody, those saints of God in Caesar's house, praise God. There's no person, there's no place, there's no circumstance that is too hard that what God can't change their life. Amen. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And we need to believe for that here tonight. So before we find a place to pray, could we just take this moment right now and let's call the names of those people that are on your mind and on your heart right now. Call their name and pray for them that wherever they are right now, that God would deal with them and convict them and draw them into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, every person standing represents one or more people. Lord, that they're away from you. They're not serving you, Lord. They need you so desperately. They are bound in their sins and can't help themselves, Lord. They're bound, Lord, without hope. Lord, I know that you can bring deliverance and salvation to them. You can save their soul. You can deal with them right where they are right this very moment tonight. Lord, you can deal with their hearts. Convict them and draw them into the kingdom, Lord. Draw them into the kingdom. I pray, Lord, for Todd and his wife, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just minister to them and touch them and draw them, Lord, into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord god we know you're able i pray for chris and rex lord i ask you to touch that couple lord lord do a work in them lord and convince them of their need.